Welcome to the Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, Board Certified Specialist in Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia and U.S. Director of Technical Services at Jurox Animal Health Incorporated. This podcast is race-approved for continuing education for veterinarians and veterinary technicians and nurses. Please visit the podcast description at www.thinkanesthesia.education for more information on how to complete the requirements to obtain your CE certificate for this podcast. The content of this podcast represents the best in evidence-based and peer-reviewed medicine. Some content may be the opinion of Jurox Incorporated, a subsidiary of Jurox Proprietary Limited and its technical services department. This episode is the first of two podcasts focused on pre-medication prior to induction of anesthesia in dogs and cats. In this episode, we will discuss the selection and use of sedatives and tranquilizers in the development of an individualized anesthetic drug regimen. Part two of this series will be designed to take a closer look at the selection and use of opioids in your pre-medication plan. As we discussed in our previous podcast, Preparing for Anesthesia, the plan for pre-medication is to provide adequate sedation and analgesia that results in a patient that is calm, relaxed, and pain-free. Proper pre-medication will also allow for dose reduction of subsequent anesthetic induction and maintenance drugs, thus minimizing their dose-dependent cardiovascular and respiratory depressant effects. The first step in developing an individualized anesthetic plan is to select an appropriate sedative. According to the fifth edition of Lemon-Jones Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia textbook, sedation is defined as a state characterized by central depression accompanied by drowsiness and some degree of centrally induced relaxation. The patient is generally unaware of its surroundings, but can be aroused and is responsive to noxious stimuli. Sedatives are not recommended by themselves to immobilize a patient during times which painful stimuli are likely to occur. Let's approach this topic using a patient as an example. You have just admitted Roxy to your clinic for a dental examination, radiographs, and cleaning. Roxy is an 8-year-old female spade cocker spaniel. You have performed your physical examination and the appropriate diagnostic test. Based on these results, you have determined that Roxy is healthy with no underlying disease that would significantly affect anesthetic drug selection. Her ASA physical status score is 1. Roxy is a happy and friendly Cocker Spaniel, but doesn't like to be restrained. What sedative or tranquilizer shall we select that will allow us to handle Roxy without a struggle? The most commonly used classes of sedatives and tranquilizers for use in veterinary patients are the phenothiazines, benzodiazepines, and alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonists. It is important to have a good understanding of the commonly used drugs used for sedation, their mechanism of action, the appropriate dose range, their clinical effects, contraindications, as well as possible side effects. Knowing this information will guide your decision-making when selecting an appropriate drug and dose for each patient. Acepromazine, a phenothiazine, is a widely used sedative in both small and large animal species. 
Its sedative effects are mediated by blockade of dopamine receptors, but phenothiazines also have activity at adrenergic, muscarinic, and histamine receptors. Antagonism of muscarinic and histamine receptors by acepromazine may also contribute to the sedation that is seen. Acepromazine, when used as a premedication drug prior to general anesthesia, can result in significant hemodynamic effects. Arterial blood pressure decreases in a dose-dependent manner due to a reduction in systemic vascular resistance. With that said, administration of an appropriate dose of acepromazine in patients without significant cardiac disease or hypovolemia is likely to not result in dramatic changes in blood pressure. The dose recommendation for acepromazine is variable, but is much lower than the manufacturer's labeled dose. Most veterinary professionals administer acepromazine at 0.005 to 0.05 milligrams per kilogram, IV, IM, or sub-Q. Acepromazine is metabolized by the liver. A prolonged or more profound effect may be seen following the administration of acepromazine in patients with liver disease. Patients with hepatic dysfunction may be given acepromazine, but only after careful assessment and at the lowest possible dose to achieve the desired clinical effect. It is important to note that acepromazine can affect platelet aggregation and should be avoided in patients with significant coagulation abnormalities. For many years, acepromazine was avoided in patients with seizure disorders because it was thought that the seizure threshold was lowered by acepromazine. This common misconception was based on two older studies published more than 50 years ago in rodents evaluating the effect of various phenothiazines, not acepromazine, on the seizure threshold. Recent published studies have not found an association between the use of acepromazine and seizures in dogs. Therefore, there is no evidence to support a contraindication of acepromazine administration in patients with seizure disorders. What about the use of acepromazine in boxers? There are anecdotal reports of European lineage boxers being more sensitive to acepromazine. The exaggerated reactions include increased sedation, bradycardia, hypotension, and syncopal episodes. As a result, there are veterinary professionals that will avoid the administration of acepromazine in this breed. Some dogs, particularly herding breeds, have peak glycoprotein defects as a result of the MDR1 gene mutation and are more sensitive to the effects of certain drugs, including acepromazine. This gene mutation results in a defective transport mechanism that can lead to increased levels of some drugs in the central nervous system. Currently, there is no published evidence to support a specific dosing strategy. Therefore, if acepromazine is used in effective dogs, a reduced dose should be considered. The benzodiazepine class of sedatives gets its name from its molecular structure, a benzene ring fused to a seven-member diazepine ring. The benzodiazepine sedatives most commonly used in veterinary patients as premedication drugs include diazepam and midazolam. Another benzodiazepine, zolazepam, is labeled for veterinary species. However, it is available only in combination with tyledamine. 
We will talk more about this drug combination in an upcoming podcast on anesthetic induction drugs. The benzodiazepines exert their effect by binding to the GABA-A receptor, enhancing the effects of GABA, the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. Clinical effects include sedation, anxiolysis, and muscle relaxation. The GABA-A receptor has binding sites for other drugs, including propofol, alfaxalone, and barbiturates, which results in additive effects when administered concurrently with the benzodiazepine. The sedative effect observed following the administration of benzodiazepine is not reliable. In healthy adult patients, modulation of the GABA-A receptor may result in an undesirable behavior, such as agitation, excitement, or aggression. More reliable sedation will be observed with benzodiazepine administration in pediatric, geriatric, or severely compromised patients, and sedation may be enhanced when a benzodiazepine is used in combination with opioids. When clinical doses of benzodiazepines are administered, there is a minimal cardiac and respiratory depression, which makes them an attractive choice for inclusion in an anesthetic plan for a severely compromised patient. Benzodiazepines are contraindicated with hepatic encephalopathy and should be used with caution in patients with hepatic disease. Commonly asked questions I hear are, what is the difference between diazepam and midazolam, and which one should I select to use for premedication? The clinical effects of both drugs are similar, but let's look at how these two drugs differ. Diazepam is poorly water-soluble and comes in solution with ethanol and propylene glycol. The commercial formulations have a pH of 6.6 to 6.9 and are more viscous than water. Clinical evidence demonstrates that the formulation causes pain upon injection and inconsistent absorption when administered intramuscularly. Therefore, it is recommended to administer diazepam intravenously. Diazepam is not compatible when combined with many other drugs and intravenous fluid solutions. Diazepam is light-sensitive and may lose efficacy if stored in plastic because it can absorb to the plastic over time. Midazolam is water-soluble due to an open diazepine ring when formulated in solution that is buffered to a pH of 3.5. At a physiological pH, the ring closes and the compound becomes lipid-soluble. This change allows the drug to cross the blood-brain barrier and produce its central nervous system effects. Midazolam will not cause tissue irritation and is consistently absorbed when administered intramuscularly. Additionally, midazolam is compatible in lactator ringer solution, normal saline, and 5% dextrose. Furthermore, midazolam appears chemically compatible when mixed in the same syringe with other drugs, such as fentanyl, ketamine, and atropine. I encourage you to review the drug's full prescribing information when considering admixing two or more drugs in the same syringe. Which benzodiazepine drug should be selected for premedication? Oftentimes, cost or availability will guide your decision. The dose and clinical effects are similar. For premedication, I will administer either drug at a dose of 0.2 mg per kilogram. Because of inconsistent absorption of diazepam, if I am planning to administer my premedication drugs intramuscularly, then I will choose midazolam. 
Benzodiazepines can be antagonized with flumazenil, a competitive selective benzodiazepine receptor antagonist. The antagonistic effect is rapid, but the duration of effect may be shorter lived than the benzodiazepine. Therefore, vigilant monitoring is required to observe for the need for additional doses of flumazenil. Now let us review a different chemical class of drugs called the alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonist. These drugs have been used for decades in both human and veterinary patients. Alpha-2 agonists provide sedation, analgesia, and muscle relaxation. Alpha-2 adrenergic receptors are located throughout the body, including the peripheral and central nervous systems, organs, and vascular tissue. Because of wide receptor distribution, other physiological effects, some undesirable, can also be observed in the patient. Commonly used drugs of veterinary species include xylazine, detomidine, metatomidine, and dexmetatomidine. For use as a pre-medication sedative drugs in dogs and cats, dexmetatomidine is what is most often used in the U.S., either because of personal preference or the fact that metatomidine is not currently available in the U.S. However, metatomidine products are widely available in other countries. In the near future, metatomidine may become once more available in the U.S. Dexmetatomidine is the active enantomer of the racemic mixture metatomidine. Antantomers are isomers that are mirror images of each other, but may have differences in pharmacologic activity. The other antantomer, levometatomidine, is currently considered to be pharmacologically inactive. Dexmetatomidine, when administered as a pre-medication prior to induction of anesthesia, will produce dose-dependent sedation. Both injectable and inhaled anesthetic requirements administered following dexmetatomidine will be substantially reduced. Dexmetatomidine may produce significant cardiovascular effects. Following administration, a vasopressor effect will be characterized by an increase in both systemic vascular resistance and arterial blood pressure, as well as bradycardia and a decrease in cardiac output. Bradyarrhythmias, including second or third degree AV block and ventricular escape beats may also be seen. It is important to remember that concurrent anticholinergic drug administration is contraindicated because it may result in significant hypertension and ventricular arrhythmias in the patient. Because of these significant cardiovascular effects, the use of dexmetatomidine should be avoided in patients with decreased cardiac reserve. My rule of thumb is to only administer dexmetatomidine to exercise-tolerant patients. Respiratory function may only be mildly affected when dexmetatomidine is administered to healthy patients. Higher doses of dexmetatomidine can cause enough peripheral vasoconstriction and pulling of deoxygenated blood to cause the tongue to become dark red or bluish in color. You may even have difficulty in getting your pulse oximeter to display oxygen saturation, or it may give an erroneously low reading, causing you to be concerned that hypoxemia may exist. In this situation, arterial blood gas analysis may show a significantly higher hemoglobin oxygen saturation. However, we must be vigilant when monitoring our sedated patients. When dexmetatomidine is administered in combination with other drugs such as opioids, more intense respiratory depression can occur and oxygen supplementation may be required.
Analgesia is produced with dexmethamphetamine, but the analgesic effect is shorter in duration than its sedative effects. Additionally, the dose of dexmethamphetamine required to result in nociceptive effects is high and will also result in excessive cardiopulmonary depression. By combining a lower dose of dexmethamphetamine, 5 to 10 micrograms per kilogram with an opioid, an additive and or synergistic analgesia effect is observed. Dexmethamphetamine is also contraindicated in patients with liver disease, kidney disease, shock, or severe debilitation. Because of reduced uterine blood flow, dexmethamphetamine should not be administered during pregnancy. Dexmethamphetamine can also cause vomiting, which may be undesirable in situations when increased intraocular, intragastric, or intracranial pressure could be detrimental to the patient. Another key chemical attribute of dexmethamphetamine is that its effects can be reversed in the event of excessive sedation or adverse effects. The alpha-2 receptor antagonist adipamazole will reverse the sedative, analgesic, and cardiovascular effects of dexmethamphetamine. Adipamazole is labeled for intramuscular administration. When dexmethamphetamine is administered for premedication prior to general anesthesia, adipamazole can be administered during anesthesia to treat bradycardia or other bradyarrhythmias. To summarize, dexmethamphetamine is useful for premedication prior to induction and maintenance of general anesthesia in healthy dogs and cats. Dexmethamphetamine is selected for use on an individual basis depending on patient health status and with the understanding that dexmethamphetamine can produce significant cardiovascular effects. What about our sedation plan for Roxy, our happy, friendly Cocker Spaniel requiring anesthesia for a dental procedure? We know that she is healthy, no cardiac, renal, or hepatic dysfunction, and she is not aggressive or fearful, but does struggle when restrained. Our goal for Roxy is for her trip to the clinic to be a pleasant experience. Including sedation and Roxy's pre-medication plan will decrease both her stress and the clinic's staff stress and allow you to handle Roxy without a struggle. The choice you have for pre-medication sedation is acepromazine, a benzodiazepine such as midazolam, or dexmedetomidine. Each drug has its own advantages and disadvantages. For Roxy, there are no contraindications for using any of these drugs. For the most profound sedation, dexmedetomidine will be the best choice with the drugs you have available. I would choose a low dose, such as 5 micrograms per kilogram, and combine it with an opioid and administer intramuscularly. If your goal for the patient is mild to moderate sedation, then either acepromazine or midazolam can be selected, and combining with the sedative with an opioid will have an additive effect and result in greater degree of sedation. We will talk more about opioids in part two of this podcast series. Our goal is to deliver safe and effective anesthesia to our patients. Safety is not just determined by the drugs that are used. Dr. Robert Smith, a physician pediatric anesthesiologist, has a quote that anesthesiologists refer to frequently. He said, there are no safe anesthetic agents. There are no safe anesthetic procedures. There are only safe anesthetists. This statement brilliantly explains that safe and effective anesthesia is not just about appropriate drug selection, but also includes how you use the drugs and how you monitor and support your patient. 
thank you for listening to this episode of the Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education podcast series brought to you by Jurox Animal Health. Jurox is committed to improving the quality of anesthesia globally. As a part of this commitment, we have produced a series of race-approved CE content. Be sure to visit thinkanesthesia.education for a listing of CE material, including podcasts. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, and remember, when you think anesthesia, think Jurox.